How many of us are ready for service today? Oh, only one person. Whoa. How many of us are ready for service today? Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. 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 We thank God. We thank God. Our God is good. And all the time, our God is good. Whoa. There is a question I have not done this for a very long time. I have not done topical preaching for a very long time. But today I'll be doing a topical preaching and I trust God that I'll be able to finish it. I trust God. I usually come with a text and then we start from the text. But today what I'm doing is we're starting with a question. A question. And it's out of the question that we're going to maybe tonight, yeah, this, this morning might be more conversational. Whatever format it's going to take, I'm not too sure, but let's trust God for it. Amen. Hallelujah. The question is, for all the things that are happening in the world today, the question is, has God abandoned the earth? That's a big question. Do you think? I, this is the topic of what I'm talking about today. But I don't want it to be just a topic. So I'm asking you. So this question is directed to you. Has God abandoned the earth? This is the question you must answer for yourself. Don't even tell anyone else unless you've answered it for yourself. Has God abandoned the earth? Is that what you think? Has God abandoned the earth? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We give you praise, glory, honor, and adoration. This morning we ask for one thing, that our minds, conscious mind and our hearts, the subconscious mind will understand your great victorious plan. We worship, honor, and adore you. May your name be glorified in this place and everywhere else in the earth. In the name of the risen Lord Jesus, we, we, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. 
In Genesis chapter 1, as we saw in the reading, God Praise Jesus. God out of eternity. God out of eternity created heaven and earth. But I'm, since I'm focusing on earth today, now in the beginning, God created the earth. He took time in doing it. Let the light, he, he made the lights come out. Bible says that the earth was without form and void. There was darkness upon the face of the deep, the Bible said. But then God said, let there be light. So the first thing God did was let his light shine upon the earth. That was dark. And he could see what was there. Then the Bible said that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. And God began to speak, began to create things and get the earth settled. What God was beginning here was his great plan. Was his great plan. God has a victorious plan, I must say. Hallelujah. Has God abandoned the earth? My response is that God has got a great victorious plan. This great victorious plan, that is a plan of victory. This plan of this victorious plan began with a great plan. There are about seven great things that God has done and is still doing. Praise God. So the first one was this great plan and the plan began with the creating of the earth. When he's done all this the waters, separating the waters above from the, from the waters below, calling dry land out, calling the animals to live on the dry ground, calling the fishes and the whales and the big, uh, the big whales to come into the sea, doing all these things. It was now set for the sixth day. And then in the sixth day, the Bible says, he will make God made. He says, at verse 24, and God said, let the earth bring forth the, forth the living creatures after its kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made a beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God was going to make, but when God was making all these things, 
you'll be wondering why all of a sudden making all these things. Why all of a sudden? If you come to Psalm 115 verse 16, Psalm 115 verse 16, we have an idea. And then Matthew 5.25, we get a clue of what, of what God was doing, what he was doing. Praise the Lord. Psalm 115, 115, verse 16. In this psalm, it says that the heaven... Belongs to God. But the earth he has given to the children of men. The heavens, if the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth has he given to the children of men. When we look at Matthew 5.35, we also understand this. From the mouth of Jesus Christ. He says. Do not swear by the earth. For it is his footstool. Hallelujah. So when God was creating the earth. He was creating his footstool. Which is also given to man. Which is for man. So the place for the man. Was the earth. So when God was doing the earth. He had a plan. The plan was that. The children of man would have the earth. And when we look at verse 26, we see that here in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1, 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Okay? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Now the word man in Genesis 1, 26 to 28 is the word Adam. Is the word Adam. Right. And that word or basically the word which we call today anthropos. Which means basically general man. No gender attached. That mankind or humanity in general. Now when the word Adam is used. Adam is used in a sense of. Uh, uh, the word Adam has got. Um, it's a plural word without number. So it could represent one. It could, it, it could represent one person. It could also represent a race. Hello. So when we say Adam. We are talking either about one person. One human. Or a human race. So when the word Adam is used, let's understand. Yes, I know that at some point it, it will be the name of a particular person, but then it, it also represents that race. Then in the verse 28, it says, And God blessed them. And God said, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the earth, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So when God made 
the earth, his plan was that man was going to be on the earth. What for? It's in the words that we see God himself uses, right? He uses, he uses the, these words, let us make man in our image and likeness and let them have dominion over everything on the earth. Okay, so man, Adam, I'm talking about the human race, was created to be on earth and to have dominion over everything on the earth. But, watch this. Adam, the whole of humanity, was created to have dominion on the earth. But not over each other. Because you are Adam. So the dominion, the control, was to be over the things of the earth. But not one man controlling or dominating the, the other. No. Praise God. Now, let's look at the word. So when God said, let's make man in our image, what was God, God talking about? The word image is the word which is described as an outline. Tessalem, an outline. An outline. When it's an image, we, we, we're, we're talking about an outline. It could also be representative, something that represents something. But in this context, the word that fits very well is the word representative. So when God said, let's make man in our image, God was basically saying, let us make a representative of ourselves. Praise the Lord. Are you with me so far? We are in church. Amen? Amen? We're still in church. If you've got a pen, got a note, pad, today you want to write something down. So let's, make, let's have a representative. And let this representative have dominion over the earth. Now what is the word dominion? The word dominion. Many people don't like this word dominion because, you know, it gives us, people have used it in certain ways as though it gives a, um, some bad impression. But let's, God himself used that word. Now the word dominion here is a picture word. And the picture is this. It's a picture of a man, a man, once again, not a gender, but Adam, Anthropos, right? It's a picture of the word, of a, of a man, Throughout this message, when I use the word man, I'm referring to anthropos. I'm referring to mankind in general. No gender attached. Praise God. So when he says, let them have dominion, the word dom dominion has the picture of a man, a picture of a man going through a door, right? A door, an open door, going through the, the door. And as he goes through the door, there is a sheet. Spread out on the floor or on the ground. And as he goes through the door, this man walks on the sheet. Does not stand, but walks on the sheet. That is a picture of the word dominion. 
What does that signify? It signifies access. Going through a, an open, a, a door open and walking on that sheet provided. Indicating that Dominion 1 has the sense of ac having access. And then after the access, it's about walking, not just walking on the sheet provided, walking on the space pro provided, not standing. Indicate the sense here is, is a ruler who has access and with the access spreading the influence, spreading, it's about rulers having access and spreading their influence on the area provided for them. So not just start sitting or standing in one place. So God made man as his representative to act as someone who has access, has rights on the earth and to spread their influence on the space of the earth or the ground that he has provided for them. Praise God. A representative of God spreading their influence. Hello. I'm using the word their because I'm refusing to use his or hers. So I'm not making a grammatical error. I'm doing it de deliberately. So if you, if you are hearing me and picking up Grammar, I'm doing it deliberately. Right. So he, he makes the man and says they are to have access on the earth. Unrestricted access. Why? Because the earth is for man. Praise God. Now let me ask you a question. Why are demons, evil spirits and all that not accepted amongst us? Genesis 1, 26 makes it very clear. Why? It wasn't made for them. Thrown down here but not made for you. Hallelujah. And that's the reason why you can cast out out of this place because this is not your environment. This was made for man. The earth has he made for the children of men. Not evil spirits, not demons. It's our place. Hallelujah. We have access here and we, and we are to spread our influence on the earth. Another word that the Lord uses in the Genesis is the word likeness. The word likeness also has this picture. And the picture is this. It's like blood. Blood moving up and down. Blood moving to and fro. Going up and down. Basically talking about action. Blood, we know blood represents the man. So man, man moving up and down, man with action. So talking about activity. So the sense of, of the likeness is, is more about activity, actions and activities. So basically when, when, when God says, let's make man in our image and our likeness, he was not just using words 
He was not, that was not what we call, uh, God wasn't doing word salads, like just spreading words. You know, sometimes people just throw words about, call words salad, and it doesn't, doesn't mean anything. But God wasn't doing that. God was saying, let us make man, let, let us make ourselves a represent, someone who represent us. So when we are not there, they, they stand in for us. And they spread their influence on the earth as we would have done. And likeness, they act like us. Our character, they exhibit, they, they act, they move, they do things. Like if we were there, well, we would have done it. So man made in Genesis 1, 26-28 is that he will be a representative of God. Having access on the earth. Spreading his influence like God will do it. Acting like God would act. Speaking like God will speak. Showing, doing certain things as God would. What would God do if he was here? That is the greatest plan God conceived. Hallelujah. This is the greatest plan that God had. So his plan was to extend his kingdom. It was to advance his kingdom. Push his kingdom forth by creating earth. But in doing that, he wasn't going to be there physically. So he made himself a representative who act just like he would do. And he put him on the earth. The question we are answering today is this. Has God abandoned his earth? So that's God's greatest plan. So here we see the creation and we see the purpose of man on the earth. With me so far. But with this, greatest, with this great plan comes the great deception. The great deception. The great deception. The great deception. Here in Genesis chapter 3, we have the serpent. The enemy coming in the form of a serpent to deceive man. To deceive the man. Or to deceive man. When he come, he asks man, has God said don't do this? Has God said don't do this? And I notice in this Genesis chapter 3 account, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, has God said, you shall not eat of a tree of the garden here. I'm not picking on, on any particular gender, as I said earlier on, because at the end of the day, it was man that fell. Praise God. Because when the woman picks it up, it gives the husband who was by her by his side, and they both fell. So let's not do a gender thing here today. But let's keep going. Praise God. 
So he come deceive the man. Now, in this deception, one of the things that we see very clearly is that the conception, the thing in the mind of the man causes him, gives the enemy a loopway, uh, give, give the enemy a leeway to deceive. Has God said, don't eat of every tree of the garden? God hasn't said that. Just keep quiet and go your way. No, God hasn't said that, so go. What business has that got to do with you? It's a command to us, not to you. Because sometimes we entertain some things that need not be entertained. Okay? But it is a good thing. It's a good thing when questions come up. But when they come up, okay, when they come up, how we answer is very critical. Okay? Some things are not meant to be entertained when you know the source of them. But when you don't know and you try to answer them because you're trying to, you know, answer some, some, some questions so you, you have to admit them, that what is in our minds is very important. The woman, the, the man now says, he said not to eat of the, of the thing in the middle of the garden, nor to touch it. He didn't say don't touch it. He never said don't touch it. He said don't eat of it. You could go near and you touch the tree. As long as you can even climb it. As long as you don't eat of it. He said don't touch it. But God never said that. So that gives a leave. Oh no, that's not, no, 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 no. That, 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 that's not true. Come, let me show you. Touch it and see. Touch it. Have you died? Oh no. Because God never said if you touch you will die. But once you explore that and you don't die, it becomes a deception. Oh, okay. Then this thing. So take, eat, eat and see. It will make your eyes open. You become smart. You become old. Oh, really? Okay. Since I touched and nothing happened, actually God didn't command that. Then I can go ahead now, take and eat. It was an eating that now caused the trouble. So now, in being deceived, man, then, in the great deception, then comes the great rebellion. Hello? A great plan? Great deception? From the great deception comes the great rebellion. Man becomes a rebel to God. Why? Because man created by God to be God's representative has now turned his back on God. I won't be your representative here on earth. I won't do it. I will do my own thing with a hunchback. Turn his back on God. I'll do my own thing. I won't follow you. Do we get a picture now? God have mercy. Hallelujah. So with a great deception comes the great rebellion. And you see, the let's put it this way. The deception is always possible when you think that you can do something 
and get away with it without you causing any, any trouble. But what God has said is what God has said. So man set up, called by, weaved by God, breathed into by God, original, organic, turns his back on God. Why? Deception. He becomes a rebel. God have mercy. God have mercy. So with a great deception and the great rebellion comes the great enmity. The great enmity. Under the great enmity, we have two things. We have the great promise and the great attack. God now says in Genesis 3 verse 15, God says to the to man 3.15 He says to the man sorry, sorry, he says to the enemy, to the serpent. Now the serpent here, understand, is a symbol of the enemy. Alright? It's a symbol of an evil power. An evil one. Symbol of an, of an, of an evil one. And to the to, to, to this enemy, the Lord says, and I, will, I, God, will put enmity. I will put hostility. Enmity, the, the word hostility, enmity means hostility. I will put hostility between you, thee, and the woman. Okay, first. And between your seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is a great enmity. But in that great enmity is a great promise. Hallelujah. Thank God for the promise. It's a great promise and the great attack. Within these two, within this great enmity are these two great things. The great promise is this. God tells the enemy, you know what? The seed of the woman will bruise your head. That's a great promise. You've caused this trouble, caused this calamity, caused this disaster, but the seed of the woman will bruise. Now the word bruise comes from this picture. It's sharp teeth in the mouth. Okay? Someone with sharp teeth in the mouth. Teeth that can pierce the skin and cause a wound. Ooh. Right? Bite and ouch. And the teeth gets into the skin and cause a deep wound. So what he's saying is that the seed of the woman who bruise would hurt your head. Hurting of the head. Indicating not like cutting of the head, but bruising. Now, it didn't say crush your head and then you bruise his heel. The same word is used for both. But just that one, it will be the head of the enemy, but then of the, of the, of the, of the, of the serpent, and then, and then it will be the heel of the seed of the woman. So the seed of the woman will bruise or hurt 
the head of the serpent, and the serpent will also bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. Same word. So a promise and attack. The great promise and the great attack. Now, but there are a couple of things to see here. As God does this thing here, where he promised that the seed of the woman will bruise, or someone can use the word crush. If you use the word crush, the head of the, of the serpent, you also have to use the word crush of the heel of the seed of the woman. So crush or, or, or bruise, the same thing. But the point is that it's the same word used for both. Right. Now, so, as the seed of the woman crushed the head or bruised or hurt the head of the serpent. Now, the serpent was told, hey, for what you've done, you will lick dust all your days. Indicating that the snake or the serpent didn't used to move the way it moved now. But, Guess what? In Isaiah 65 verse 25, in the days of the Messiah, in the, in the days of the servant of the Lord, when all things are restored and good and well, the serpent's curse is never removed. Indicating that what the serpent did was so great, was so grievous, it is never dealt with. Never dealt with. I will read it just to give, give us a picture. Praise God. If my time is getting get up, I will wrap up, so don't worry. Verse 25. Isaiah 27, verse 25. Watch this. The wolf and the lamb. Hello. The wolf and the who? Lamb shall feed together. Can you imagine that? This will all be in the reign of the Messiah, right? And the lion shall eat straw like the bullock. Praise God. And what else? And the and dust shall be the serpent's meat. So you see, what was declared in Genesis is not changed for the serpent. Indicating that its curse remains. No restoration shall restore that. That means it was really a heinous evil done on earth. And it has no redemption for it. It remains as is. So what are, what, are, what, what, what are we saying? What are we saying is this. That this crushing of the head and crushing of the heel, there are certain pictures that comes up which, which, we, we, which we need to observe. The serpent's head will be crushed because he will always be underneath. The man. He will always be on the ground. So his head can be crushed. He will not be able to lift himself up. 
to affect the head of the man. So the only thing he can do is the heal. So by virtue of the position that it is now placed, it can't do it. It can come up to cause trouble. But only the heel. Now the head, we understand. Head represents the place where decisions are made, where thoughts come from, where organization comes from. The head. So when you say that the head or the head shall be bruised or crushed, it means that the enemy's plans, his thoughts, his organization, and whatever shall be hurt, shall be bruised by the man. Hallelujah. So the idea that well, we can't do anything against him, no, Bible doesn't say so. It says we, the man, the seed of the woman would do that. If I take it literally, to mean the man coming from the woman, I know that some of us extend it to Christ. Yes, Christ is still the man God, or the God man. So it's still man. Praise God. So that means the man will be able to hurt, disorganize, mess up the plans of the enemy on the earth. That was God's promise. Praise God. But then the serpent or the enemy would also bruise or crush or hurt the heel. The heel indicates movement, walk, movements. That means he will also do things that would hinder the walk of the man. It will hinder the walk of humanity. Humanity's walk, walk in what God wants them to do will be hindered. Why? Because they have... Their, their heel will be bruised. So they are walking, their movement will be affected. So that is the great enmity, which involves the great promise and the great attack. From this period, we enter another period, another great period, which I call the great interim plan. The great interim plan. And watch the words. Interim plan. That means that is not the original plan. It was only put in place just to hold the fort. In the interim plan, we have the great covenants. God began establishing Great covenants with certain people like Noah, Abraham, Jacob, sorry, Isaac, Jacob, David, Solomon. So God started having covenants with all these people. And the purpose of the covenants, because man has messed the thing up, the plan up, the, the whole thing up because of the rebellion. But God establishes these covenants to keep himself accounted to man. So if he's in covenant with man, then he still has to do something with a man. So the great interim plan was put in place with a covenant. 
So with the covenant, God is still attached to, to, to man. So you see that through Adam, through Noah, through Abraham, God began to now do certain things in the earth. He, 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 he continues to unfold his plans. Interim plans. Then from there comes the covenant with the people of God called Israel. So God moves from the individuals now to covenant with a nation. Nation. So God makes a covenant with the nation of, of Israel. And he does this so that Israel becomes a unique nation among all nations of the earth. And that is still part of the interim plan. Hallelujah. Praise God. And the reason is what? The reason is that Israel will become a source, will become like something for all nations to look at. All these are interim plans. Praise God. Exodus chapter 19, please. Exodus 19, verses 4 to 6. Exodus 19, and then verses 4 to verse 6. God have mercy on us. That we can put this thing to a close today. We can. Verse 4. Exodus 19 verse 4. You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians. And how I bear you on eagles wings. And brought you unto myself. Now therefore. If you will obey my voice indeed. And keep my covenant. Then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me. Above all people. For all the earth is mine. All the earth is mine, but you will be my peculiar people. Because I'm going to work through you. I want to work through you. I'm picking one nation. Happened to be Israel. And you shall be unto me, what? A kingdom of priests. An unholy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. That God told Moses, tell them. You shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. Kingdom of priests. That the whole Israel, you are a kingdom of priests to be my ministers unto all the nations. That my light will come to the people. So that all men, because all men have gone into, into rebellion. But I'm using you. That you will shine my light. That's why he gave them the ten, the, all, all the commandments. So God was creating a special, but these are all interim plans. Hallelujah. Still with me so far. Still so that he will still be carrying out. So is, has God abandoned his earth? He has a great and a victorious plan. So with the covenant people, he moves on. With the covenant people, God now moves on and brings about The awesome bit. The great promise that was made in Genesis is now fulfilled. Hallelujah. The great promise is now fulfilled. Luke 2, 8 to 14. The child, Christ Jesus, is born. Hallelujah. Praise God. He is born. Jesus is born. Luke 2, 8 to 14. He is born. And right from the age 12, 
he begins to declare, did you not know that I should be about my father's business? He begins to minister. He begins to preach the kingdom of God. That was his preaching. Hallelujah. That was the preaching of Christ. He began to preach about the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. Kingdom. What? Not a religion. No. The kingdom of God. The rule of God. A rule is not a religion. A government is not a religion. Began to preach the kingdom of God. That God's rule is coming. God's rule is coming. Where God himself is the ruler. Where, where God's, God's order, God's command are the order of the day. A kingdom where God's, where God's rule, God's commands, God's values, God's principles are the order of the day. That kingdom is coming. He began to preach it. And in preaching that, he healed the sick, raised the dead, did all kinds of stuff. Praise God. In Luke 4.43, Jesus specifically says, I must preach the kingdom of God. Specifically. In Luke 9 verse 2, he sent the disciples also to go and preach the kingdom of God. And then in Luke 9.60, he tells someone who, he calls someone to follow him. And the person said, oh, let me first go and bury my dead. And he said, no, let the dead bury the dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. Kingdom talks about a king and his dominion, a king and his rulership. So he was preaching about God, the ruler, and his rule. Hallelujah. It's about God and his rule. And then, in all this, before he could, before his time was up for him to leave, hello, before his time was about, before it was time for him to leave, Christ Jesus now de declares, I will build my church, he declares. I will build my church, he, he declares. The word church comes from the word ecclesia. Ecclesia. And ecclesia means the called out ones. People who are called out. The called out means among the people you are called, you are pulled out of your homes. You are pulled out from your comfort zone. You are pulled out into Form an assembly, you become. The ecclesia is not just a bunch of people who just sing, oh, single, single, praise. The ecclesia is a decision making body, it's a ruling body. Ecclesia is a ruling body. Hello. It's a term that was borrowed from the Greeks. It's, it's a ruling, that term, ecclesia. I will build my ecclesia. He was talking about a ruling body. A body that rules. Not things, make decisions. So, he said, I will form this. I will form, I will build my church. And then he says something. This is the seed of the woman speaking, right? And said, I will build my church. So I will, not, I will build myself, I will, I will 
build for myself disciples, people who will be like me, my, my church, my ecclesia, my decision-making body. And then he asks something, and he says, the gates of hell, the gates of hell, the gates that belongs to hell will not prevail against the ecclesia. It will not prevail against the ecclesia, the church. It will not prevail against it. I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about the people. It will not prevail against. But thank God, he's blessed us, he's blessed us with local churches. That was why Christ in Revelation talked about the church of Pergamos, the, the, the church of Persia, the, the different the church of Philadelphia talking about, about the different, different churches. That means God is mindful of the different, different churches. Right? Let's not collapse it. And say, well, there's no, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it exists. God, God recognizes. Praise God. I will build a, but I'm talking about the ecclesia, the, the people. Amen. I will build up. For this to happen, for this to happen, something must take place. In, for Christ to build a people like him, because when Christ came, one of the things that he said is this. Hebrews says it very clear. Actually, he said it many, many times. He, he said, my meat is to do the will of my father. So basically, the great promise is now beginning to unfold God's original plan in Genesis. What the first Adam did by, you know, yielding to the devil and becoming a rebel, Christ comes, says, my, my meat is to do the will of my father. In Hebrews, he said, I have come to do thy will, oh God. In the volume of the book written about me, I have come to fulfill everything written concerning me. And I want to build up a church, a people, who would also live on earth to fulfill everything that God has written down about themselves. A people who fulfill, who fulfill every purpose, every tiny bit in the purpose of God concerning their lives. They will not allow their purposes to just lie about just anyhow, but like Christ they will fulfill it. Said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. That means the gates of hell will try to be, it will keep on trying to bruise the heel. And now we see it happening. It's been happening all along history. Trace history. The church has always come under attack. Hello? The church has always come under attack. But God has said that the people of God will bruise the head of the enemy. That means we'll be able to destroy the plants, the organizations, and whatever. We'll be able to do it. But yes, they will keep on also bruising the heel, causing our movements to be hindered in one way or the other. But the truth is this. We will keep pressing forward. Why? Because Christ said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will, not, will never prevail against it. No gates shall prevail against the church, the ecclesia of God. Hallelujah. Praise, God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 
This is good news. That we will press on. We will press on. Now what is left? What is left now is the great mission or the great commission. Praise God. The great commission now is this. It's for the church now to understand that God has not abandoned the earth. But rather throughout history, he was rolling out, he's been rolling out his victorious plan. Now we are at that point where the church has been formed. And we belong to the church. We belong to the ecclesia, the church. What is our task now? Our task now is to preach the kingdom. Our task, our task now is to fill the earth with the glory of God. Hallelujah. What's our task? To fill the earth with the glory of God. What's our task? To fill the earth with the glory of God. What's our task? To fill the earth with the glory of God. Fill the earth. Fill the earth. Habakkuk 2.14. Habakkuk 2. Verse 14. That we will fill the earth with the glory of God. Hallelujah. Filling the earth with the glory of God. As the waters cover the sea. That is what it shall be. That's our task. That's our mandate. I would also read Matthew 28 and I'll be finishing off with this. Matthew 28 and the verse 17. So we shall fill Habakkuk 2 verse 14. Habakkuk 2 verse 14 please. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. Yes, we understand in this scripture that we shall fill the earth with the glory of the living God. And then we have in, we have in Matthew 28, the last chapter. Matthew 28, the last chapter. He says, Matthew 28, verse 17. It says, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me, where in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and preach and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, or the end of the world. Praise God. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. For I am with you all the way. This is God's command unto us. This is where the church stands. That the church is to go about teaching all nations. Some are doing it through mega and big, 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 big crusades. Some are doing it through that. But guess what? Teaching all nations, teaching people 
It doesn't always have to be a big crusade. You and me, we can teach all nations, teach people around us. Teaching doesn't mean you ought to have a classroom with students behind you and then you in front. Teaching. Teaching is basically can be done anyhow and, 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 in, and in any way. And you know that some people, without being your classroom teachers, have taught you some things. Even though they were never your teachers in the, in the classroom, but they've taught you some things. Just by example, by doing, by suggesting, by their way of life. So in the same way, we, you can also, you as an, as an individual, tell your neighbor, point to your neighbor and say, you. Oh, point, point, and say, you. You can teach. You can teach. You can show. Teach. Another word for teaching is showing. Show. Show them the word of the Lord. Show. Show by your values. Because God, remember, created you to act like he would act. So show them by acting in every circumstance. How would God have acted? How would Christ have done this? How would Christ have behaved here? What would he have said? Act like he would do. Show the values of God. Show the love of God. Show the kindness of God. Show the integrity. Show the pureness. Show the faithfulness. Show the loyalty. Dismiss the bitterness. Dismiss the anger. Dismiss the hostility. Dismiss them. Holding anger in your heart. You won't let go. Bitter about someone. Let go. What would Christ have done? Christ shows. Christ showed us the way. He was tortured. He was betrayed. He was butchered. Hung on the cross. He was handled by people who didn't like him. Hated him. Gossiped about him. Told lies about him. Eventually, hung him on the cross. But on the cross, he cried and said, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they do. So, what is it that your brother has done against you? That you can't let go. Let go. Your sister has hurt you. And you can't let go. Let go. Church. We've got a responsibility. God's great plan has been fulfilled. God's great plan has been fulfilled. We are history. Hallelujah. You and me today, we are history. We are living the dream of God. We are living the dream of God. We are living the dream of God. We are in the dream of God to bring out his principles, his values, to fill the earth. Satan is present, but his head, his head is bruised. And we continue to disorganize and mess up with his plans. He will try to stop us by bringing our heel. But Christ said, 
we shall prevail. Christ said, we shall win. So let's go on. Let's come out. Let's come out from every shell all over the globe. I challenge all Christians, come out. Step out. Step out. I challenge every pastor. I challenge every Christian. Step out. Come out. Let's begin to infiltrate our society, our neighbors, our friends, one-on-one. -on -one. Show them the word of Christ. Show them the word of Christ. Show them godliness. Show them kindness. We think, unless we say, God loves you, repent or sin be forgiven, we're not preaching the gospel. Did you know that when Christ raised the son of that widow, he made them go, but the impact was left upon them. The source of the deed is the issue. It's like music. It's not the so much of the beat or anything, but it is the source of the music. If the source is inspired by God, it inspires you unto godliness. But if the source is from hell, it will inspire you unto evil deeds. So your deeds... You are, we are to go about calling men to repentance. What does repentance mean? Repentance means changing of mind. About what? Change your mind concerning living just for yourself. Change your mind concerning just focusing on you. And begin to understand that God is now in charge. Change your mind to now consider God in all that you do. Well, I don't believe in God. Well, you better believe because he's real. Your neighbor tells you, I don't believe in God. Say, fine, I'm not pushing my God on you. I don't know why you don't believe God. Well, God doesn't exist. I can't see him. But man, my friend, have you ever seen your intestines? But you believe it is there, don't you? In the same way, you might not have seen God, but God exists. See, there's one thing that science cannot test. Science cannot test spirit. Because science is not created to function in the realm of spirits. So until science advances, science is too late. Science has been, science is a cake. It's a good tool, but it's a cake. Why is it a cake? Since time immemorial, science has never admitted the supernatural, the spiritual, into each dimension to investigate the supernatural. It only deals with physical things. That's why it can't access God. But we can. So let's influence. Let's teach our neighbors, our households, our friends. I mean your siblings at home. Advance God's kingdom even at home among your siblings. Your wife was rude. Are you going to respond as a man with rude words? Or your husband was rude. Wife, are you going to respond with rude words or with kind words? 
Respond with kind words. Let's fill, let's fulfill God's heart. Let's fulfill God's dream of living out His dream. Being His representative here on earth. The covenants, Israel, Abraham, Isaac, the dying on the cross, the resurrection, they were all part of the interim plan to bring us to this place where we actually live it out. Because our souls, our minds are sanctified. We have the mind of Christ, Bible says. We have the mind of Christ now to live out God in our world. Let's live it out. Let's show, let's teach all people about God in the name of Jesus. Apology, my, forgive me, I've come beyond my time. God, forgive me. I'll bring my message to a close. You probably have been hearing me this morning. But one thing is clear. You don't know Jesus. You don't even know about God's plan. But today, I've unfolded to you God's victorious plan. And answering the question that he hasn't abandoned the earth. He was just, he's just been rolling out his plans, which is now, we are, we are now in the dream of God. What God intends, we are living it out. A time is coming when he's going to wipe out evil completely from the earth. And you have only the righteous living on the earth. But you see, if you want to be part of this, you want to be part of the ecclesia, the church of God, you need to be, you must be born again. You must repent. Meaning, change your mind, living for yourself, and thinking that you are the boss of, 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 of your life. You want to come off that. You want to say, God, now, I recognize that you are God. I want you to be in charge of my life. I'm going to commit myself to studying your book, the Bible. Fellowship with other believers to know you more, to understand you more. If this is your heart, lift your voice and talk to God. Talk to him right now. Talk to him. And say, Lord God, ask him to come into your heart. Ask him to give you a new life. And tell him to forgive you your sins. That you are sorry for all your rebellion, all your mind. You've always thought that there was no God and life was just about you. But today you've realized, you've seen. But actually God has a plan. He has a victorious plan which is rolling out. And today if you're on earth, today is your opportunity to be born again. To be part of Christ's ecclesia, his church, which he's building. Which the gates of hell cannot prevail against. Father, I pray. Thank you for saving the souls. Thank you for saving these ones, forgiving these souls, oh God, and filling them with your life and with yourself. God bless you. And may you grow in this faith. And I pray for healing. Anyone that is not well in any part of your body, I pray for you. Wherever you are, whatever your condition, be healed. Receive healing in your body. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for touching them. Thank you for the operation. Oh, thank you for the angelic operation in people's bodies even right now. 
Father, I thank you. I give you praise. And I give you glory. And the saints say, Amen. amen. And Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. The word of God, I must say to you, is quick and active. The word of God is living. The word of God is not just a mere written text. The word of God is living. It's a living thing. When the word of God proceeds, when it comes out from the mouth of God, as Matthew puts it, when it comes out from the mouth of God, it is a living and active word, powerful, able to effect change and change things. It is not a dead letter. God's word is living. I am talking about the word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God. It is active, it is powerful.